Good morning, Evangel. How's everybody this morning? Okay, I hope so. I need more conviction. How are you doing this morning? Good, good. Well, it's good to see all of you here, and for those online that I can't see, thank you for joining this morning. Uh, why don't you just stand as we, as we worship God this morning? Praise is rising, eyes are turning to you. We turn to you. Hope is stirring, hearts are yearning for you. We long for you. Cause when we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away, Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises, Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Hear the sound of hearts returning to you. We turn to you. In your kingdom, broken lives are made new. You make us new Cause when we see you We find strength to face the day And in your presence All our fears are washed away Washed away Hosanna Hosanna You are the God who saves us Worthy of all our praises, Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us, we welcome you here, Lord Jesus, cause when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Cause when we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away. And Hosanna, Hosanna. You are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us. We 
welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Come have your way among us. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. We stand and lift up our hands. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. Together we sing. Oh, everyone sing. Oh, holy is the Lord. God Almighty, the earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty, the earth is filled with His glory. Oh, the earth is filled with His glory. And we stand and lift up our hands. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. Together we sing. Oh, everyone sing. Oh, holy is the Lord. God Almighty, the earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty, the earth is filled with His glory. The earth is filled with His glory. It's rising up. All around, it's the anthem of the Lord's renown. It's rising up. All around, it's the anthem of the Lord's renown. Together we sing. Everyone sing. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. The earth is filled with His glory. The earth is filled with His glory. And God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love 
heal and forgive. He bled and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives because He lives I can face tomorrow because He lives all fear is gone because I know He holds the future And life is worth the living Just because He lives And then one day I'll cross that river I'll fight life's fight No war with me And then as death Gives way to victory I'll see the light of glory and I'll know He reigns because He lives I can face tomorrow because He lives all fear is gone because I know He holds the future and life is worth the living just because He Because He lives, I can face tomorrow, because He lives. All fear is gone, because I Life is worth the living just because He lives. God, thank you for the fact that you not only died on the cross for us, but you came back to life. That God, through you conquering death, we are now able to find life. 
And God, I pray that, that we would remember the fact that, that because you live, we are able to face everything that comes our way. That God, that we can do all things through you who strengthens us. That because you live, we can face tomorrow. Would we hold on to that truth even as we go into this next week and we have whatever kind of obstacles we're facing? Would we remember that you died for us, for our sin, for our shame, for our iniquity, God, that you, you came, that you died, and you rose back to life, that there's nothing impossible for you? So God, I pray for this morning that you would be with Scott as he, as he brings the message. And would you be with with us, God, would you just bless us as we're able to gather here together? Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the fact that we are able to gather. And would you just have your way in this service this morning, God? In the name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. Our scripture today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 21. And it says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we will all share, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. Well, there's an instrument that uh, not many of you have probably heard of before called the pogo cello. It has many more names too, uh, Jingling Johnny, uh, Stump Fiddle, Bladder and String, the list goes on. And I'm not joking, it is one of the coolest instruments I have ever laid eyes on. And in fact, I have a picture here for you guys. What it is, is it is a rhythm instrument that was adopted by military bands in the late 17th century, and it became a popular instrument widely used in English folk music, so you'd be forgiven if you've never heard of one, as they aren't all that common in our community. But when I was growing up in, in my home church, we had a, a concert from a Christian band uh, show up one time, and that band was Ren Collective. And this must have been at the very beginning, when they very when they put out their very first album. And I remember looking up at my church's stage during the concert and seeing the band's drummer pull out this large wooden stick about the size of a table leg. And all over it were different bells, springs, and even tin pie plates with one of those screen door springs running across it. And to play it, a bogo cello is, basically, is played by basically slamming it on the ground over and over in time with the music, and sometimes at the bottom of the stick too, there's a heavy-duty compression spring to give it extra bounce potential. You also have a drumstick in the other hand, and you use it to rub against or hit the, the screen door spring, so that way when you, when, you, when you do this in tandem, you get a really unique sound of something that is like a mix of a bass drum or, or a tambourine and, and, and a washboard. And it's these many different parts that all work together in tandem for the sake of the whole instrument. 
And so here I am seeing this really energetic Irish man bounce around on my home church's stage with a pogo cello, and all my friends and I were thinking about how cool it would be, because I was in my youth band at the time, so how cool would it be to show up to youth one day and to have one of these things and to play it for the youth band? And still to this day, I would love to have one, but the only downside is the amount of coordination needed to effectively play one is something that I would never be able to muster for myself. And I, I stick to bass guitar, and sometimes that even gets the best of me. But in my excitement over this instrument, I go home and, 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 and look it up and try and see where I can buy one, and, or even what they were called at the time. I, all I had to type in was, was Ren Collective Bells on a Stick to get a result. And as I do my research on these instruments, I'm reading and even seeing in pictures how not every pogo cello is made the same way. In fact, many of them are actually homemade. Different parts are thrown together in order to make something, and each one made is very much unique. Like I said a moment ago, some can have compression springs. Further, some can be carved at the top of the stick for a better grip. Some suggest even adding popcorn kernels in between the pie tins to get a little bit of extra rattle as you are hitting it on the ground. See, there isn't a rigid set way of putting these many different parts together. But when they are put together, and when they are used properly, you can see and hear that each part in a pogo cello has a role. And each part of the whole it has a role, rather, as, as a part of the whole instrument. No part put into the instrument is unimportant, and nothing is useless. Every part has a place, and every part has its own purpose. Before our text this morning in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul teaches his readers on spiritual gifts and their role in helping fulfill God's will for the church as a whole. His emphasis is that particular spiritual gifts are not necessarily what it is, makes believers spiritual. Every believer is spiritual because every believer has God's spirit with him or her. The role of the gifts is to be used to benefit and elevate the church. And that's where we get to our passage today where Paul is likening the church to a human body. It is one individual organism made up of many different parts and each part within the whole has value and is important to the overall health of the whole. And Paul chooses to emphasize this in his letter because the issue facing the Corinthian church at the time of his writing was division. In fact, Paul deals with no less than 11 different issues in this letter. And because Paul sees the message of the gospel at stake here, when you read through this book, you will find a whole host of different emotions coming from Paul. This letter was meant to provide clarity and unity to the Corinthian church who were so caught up in all of these issues that they lost sight of what was most important. That the love of Christ is at the very heart of the gospel message, and it's a love that is for all people. And so this morning, the title of my message is Many Parts Made Whole. And if there's one thing I want us to see this morning and take away with us, it would be this, that everyone matters in the body of Christ. When it came to the Corinthian church, They were making dividing lines between their people, all the while missing the core idea that when it comes to the body of Christ, no one is unimportant, lesser, or undeserving. And I believe strongly that this is a truth that is so applicable for us as a church today. And so my first point this morning is unity. And I want us to begin here by looking at once again at verse 12 to 13 of our scripture today because I find these two verses to be the foundation that will set up the rest of our passage for us to see what Paul is saying in a whole different light. And he begins verse 12 by introducing the image of the human body. 
Just like how the human body is made up of many different parts, the body of Christ is exactly the same. It's, it, it's many different parts making up the whole body. And the phrase, the body of Christ, is a common New Testament metaphor for the church. When Christ entered our world, he took on a physical body. And through his physical body, demonstrated the love of God clearly, tangibly, and boldly, especially through his death on the cross. Christ continues his work in the world and through those he has redeemed. And the church now demonstrates the love of God clearly, tangibly, and boldly. In this way, the church functions as the body of Christ. And Paul draws on this idea to show the church that each individual member is needed and part of the interconnected and intricate wonder that is the body of Christ, the church. Each part of the body, when working properly, will build up the body in love and like in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The problem is that the body of Corinth at the time of Paul's writing was not working as it should have been. We can read about how there are quite a few people in the church who competed with each other over their spiritual gifts and others who were either undervaluing or overvaluing the contribution they made to the church, to the body. The purpose of the body is to be united under Jesus and demonstrate the love of Christ in a clear and tangible way. But the example that we get here with the Corinthian church is one where the body was not working in unity. In fact, while the specifics may be different from the Corinthian church, there are many churches today that are not united and are not working to truly be the hands and feet of Jesus. See, God loves his people, and he wants his people to love people. Now, that seems incredibly simple, but if it was, a lot of people would do a much better job of it. This letter of Paul's is as practically relevant for, to us as it was to the original recipients, and while the role of spiritual gifts specifically aren't as emphasized to the extent of the Corinthian church, the world now has other more social and economic dividing lines that create disunity within the church. Things like rich and poor, young and old, tradition and changed, gay and straight, single and married. What about the homeless? What about the oppressed? What about political views? These are some examples where the modern church's struggle for unity may be focused. And in verse 13 of our text today, Paul continues by highlighting the same fact to the Corinthian people. He says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Because of this dynamic of the body that Paul is explaining, the reality is that the dividing lines created by the Corinthian church he was writing to and the dividing lines that we can sometimes create ourselves are strictly artificial. The many parts of the body of Christ begin to work together when we finally find that the divisions that mark our world are nothing but roadblocks to be removed in order to experience true unity in Christ. In the body of Christ, there can be no dividing lines when it comes to welcoming those to experience the same love of Jesus that first welcomed us. And Paul's goal here was not necessarily to give a theology of the human body. Rather, he desires earnestly for love to exist at a greater level within the church. And the lesson he gives is that we care for one another and rejoice with those who rejoice and suffer with those who are suffering. Twice in verse 13, Paul uses the word 
all. We have all been baptized. We all share the same spirit. And that is what the church is. That is what the church is. And that is who we become when we experience the love and transformation of Jesus. It's not just a group of religious people who gather every week for mutually desired functions. It is a group of people who share the same life, who belong to the same Father, who are filled with the same Spirit, who are given gifts by that same Spirit, and who are intended to to, uh, function together to change the communities that they are in by the love of God. So our second point this morning is diversity. I want us to now look at this middle portion of our scripture where, where Paul, he, he kind of goes on, on a very detailed and repetitive explanation of why the body of Christ is described to have many parts and why each part has a purpose. I read this and, and, and I sometimes like to put myself in the place of, of the people that are being written to. And, and so to put myself in the place of the Corinthian church uh, that's being written to, it's almost like being a parent, right? And your child did something really bad, and in order to get them to understand the really bad thing they did, you got to repeat it to them a hundred different ways, right? That's what this is. And so I imagine the church reading this portion of verses from a very upset Paul going, okay, Paul, we get it. We get it. And he's going, not yet you don't. So every teenager kind of hates being in that position, and I know I did growing up. But to his credit, you can feel the emotion from Paul in trying to help the church understand this crucial concept. This isn't something to gloss over. This is a necessity in order for the body of Christ to function. Paul really sells his point and tries really hard to make sure the Corinthian church understands this. If the first two verses that we just went through are Paul introducing the concept of unity, And how for the body of Christ to function in unity, all people who come to Christ must be recognized under that same banner. This is Paul now switching to how there must be unity in the body, but not unity through uniformity. Because it is much easier, we find, sometimes to gather with people who are like ourselves than it is to reach across the divisions which mark our culture. Instead, we need to see unity as unity in diversity. Paul addresses the subject of unity and diversity in verse 14, saying, Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. The image of the body as a metaphor isn't unique to Paul as others in the Roman world use the same image. The point was that in society at the time, there was a head, and that was provided by the wealthy or the rulers. Everybody needs hands and feet to do the, to do the work, and that was provided in society by just about everyone else. And, and, and with the image of the body in the Roman world, there was a very clear hierarchical sense. Paul takes the same image here and twists it on its head. Just realizing. Pun not intended, but just realized. The unity of the body doesn't mean that the less honored members get abused or treated poorly. Rather, all the parts belong to one another. And together, those parts are treated with absolute care. And the end result of the body metaphor in Paul's hands is not the same old hierarchy or even the inverse of that culturally expected pattern of people placed at the top to rule over, but a deep unity of the whole body with each part cared for by the others. In the Corinthian church, the less honored were in fact being despised and shamed by the others. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 22, right before actually Paul talks about the Lord's Supper. He says, what? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. 
Paul here is trying to call the church to a better way of life together. Believe it or not, the differences between each part of the body is something that God has actually arranged and wants. Verse 18 of our text explicitly tells us so by saying, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. I love that point that Paul is making here. Right? That God has put every one of us exactly where he wants us to be. The unity that can be found within the diversity of the body isn't something to be regretted or fought against. Instead, it should be seen as the gift that it is. Paul's argument implies that not only diversity, but unity within that diversity is a reality that the church back then and the church today cannot live without. Paul makes that point very clear in verse 16 to 17 of our passage by saying things like, well, if the whole body is an eye, how can it hear, right? Or how could you smell? And it reminded me of how a month or two back we got Lucy to watch Monsters, Inc. for the very first time. And if you've ever seen that movie, you know that in that movie there's literally a character that is just an eye, right, with hands and legs attached. And I remember for the first time her seeing that character, Mike Wazowski, by the way, I just recalled it, uh, and, and pointing at the TV and going, he's, look at his eye, he's so silly. It is, and it's silly. It really is. The body isn't made to be just an eye. The body wasn't made to be just an ear. The body is made to have many parts that are diverse in function and yet still work together to function in unity. We can have our own gifts. We can have our own talents. We can have all these things that make us uniquely our own person. We can have all these different things, and yet we are brought together by the same Spirit that transforms us into his likeness. In such an ideal, Christ-centered community, all must be respected, regardless of their giftings, their class, their ethnicity, their gender. All must be honored no matter what they bring to the body with Christ as a head. That's what the ideal Christ-centered community is. But very often, we will find that God's community is pretty far from ideal. The reality of the world that we live in is that people within the body of the Christ will fail, and they will struggle. We've all been at that point ourselves, and many times have had to grow and learn through those painful or awkward or or learning experiences. And Paul knows this fact better than anyone. In fact, the letter to the Corinthians here is proof enough of that. And yet he still urges the Corinthian church at the time, and us today to keep reminding of ourselves and one another to view each other in a different light. In the light of God's love. The concept that's most central to the gospel message. Love is the key that will empower us to live in unity as part of the body of Christ and to seek the well-being of others. And that's what the Spirit, it, that's what it does for us ultimately. Too many times we hear about and maybe have even experienced before a community fractured by discontent, anger, and severed relationships. Paul references each of us as part of a body for a reason, and that reason is because God's Spirit works through every part, every body, in a unified way so that we can build up one another in love. When we do that, will we still struggle? Naturally. But the focus should always be on letting the Spirit work to transform us past the struggle. The church in Corinth were putting stock in outward things, like like nationality, ethnicity, class, experience, and giftings, while ignoring the work of the Spirit to establish unity in a diverse community. The focus for us should be on the work of the Spirit. 
As the body of Christ, we need to let the Holy Spirit transform us from the inside out so that our preoccupation won't be on trying to change the things on the outside by creating dividing lines within community. Our next point this morning. Dependency. We have discussed the importance for unity within the body and we have talked about the need for unity within diversity. And now we reach that that final point in our text that will talk about the importance for dependence within the body of Christ. And what I mean by that is God has so designed the body that no matter how important one part may seem to be, it cannot function properly without dependence on all the other parts. Just like how the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Neither can someone in the body of Christ say to someone else, I don't need you. Or you're not welcome. When the church or the body of Christ works together and is joined together in faith, we can function properly in the role that Jesus has given to the church. When there is disharmony, it will be difficult to fulfill its mission. And the truth, or the truth of this whole concept that Paul introduces is this, that we need each other. We need each other. At the very beginning of the message, I said I wanted everyone to know by the end of this that you are important in the body of Christ. And this is where that comes full circle now. See, my dream is for the church to be a place where everyone has value in the body of Christ. I want my kids to be able to grow up and find their place in the body of Christ knowing that they have value within it for who they are. I want our young people today to be able to come here and know that they have a place here within the body of Christ and that we need them in order to function effectively. And if you are a young person in this room, then I want you to know that you have a place here within the body of Christ and that we need you in this church community. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to know that there are young people in the the world, in North America, in Ontario, that have been rejected by the local church because they are simply looking for a place to belong in community but aren't given a second thought because of their upbringing or their ethnicity or their sexuality, or for asking certain questions, or for challenging the status quo, or for being perceived as unimportant because of their age. Isn't the church, isn't the body of Christ supposed to be the place for all to come and to experience the love of God equally, to grow and to function in unity and diversity? And if the answer to that for you is, is, is no, or even, well then I I, I want to challenge your understanding of how the body of Christ works. Just like how my brain can't say to my stomach, I don't need you, it's going to realize the mistake made pretty quickly when I get hungry. The body of Christ thrives in unity and diversity, but it's held up in dependency. Our young people are needed just as much as our seniors. Our kids are needed in the body of Christ just as much as our adults. And if you need any more proof, look at Jesus' response to the disciples in Matthew 13-15. It says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And then he places his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. The disciples in this passage scolded the parents for bringing the children to Jesus. But Jesus doesn't just tell the kids to come. He gives them the kingdom. Even the youngest of us have a place within the body of Christ, and it is so important that we see that. We can't just create dividing lines by saying one is not needed because, when the body, because then the body just wouldn't function as it was intended by God to be. 
The church today can't afford to be the place that stops people from experiencing everything Christ would have for them. Because if not here, if not here, then where? The very next verse after what we read in our passage this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 22, says this. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And I think this is one of the most important verses in a chapter full of important verses. What it's saying is essentially twofold. If you see someone in the body as lesser for one reason or another, then that can't be further from the truth. And it's also saying that if you yourself feel lesser in the body of Christ or are made to feel lesser, that also can't be further from the truth. And I know I've talked about young people pretty exclusively there. That just shows my bias for them. But this message is for everybody within the body. You are important. You have a role. You have value. You are loved by God. And when we know this to be true for ourselves, the elbow room we give one another in our community will will be based not on outside influences or artificial dividing lines, but only on his spirit to make us what the Father desires us to be. In other words, we are not only dependent on one another in the body of Christ, we are also dependent on his power to continue the work in us. And because of his continued work in our lives, we can grow to be patient and merciful with one another. We will learn to focus less on the dividing lines we set by saying, I don't need you, and instead focus on that dependency the Spirit works within us, seeing every single part of the body, every single member, as necessary. I'd like to invite the worship team back up this morning. So where do we go from here? The message given to the Corinthian church from Paul is one that is extremely applicable for us today in the call for unity, diversity, and dependency within the body of Christ. Maybe some of us in the past have created dividing lines and dictated to ourselves or or to others who should or shouldn't be needed, when the reality is that everyone who comes with a desire to know Jesus and to be filled by his Spirit is welcomed in the body of Christ. If you are hearing this message this morning, from the youngest to the oldest, you are needed in the body of Christ. You have a part to play. Are we perfect? No. But what will help us as a community growing in the journey of being the hands and feet of Jesus is love. And it's no wonder that the very next chapter after this one, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that's, that's, that's commonly referred to as the love chapter, and that's where Paul emphasizes that love is the greatest And anything done without love is worthless. Love is the key that will empower us to live in unity as part of the body of Christ and to seek the well-being of others. That's That's what the Spirit does for us as a community of faith. So the worship team is going to lead us in one more song, and then we're going to wrap up in a time of prayer and communion. But for right now, I invite you to stand today and worship with us. Whether you're here in the building or or watching online, We want you to know that God loves you so much and that in his love, we can grow more and more like him. He has placed us exactly where he wants us to be within the body of Christ to glorify him. And I think that's something worth worshiping him for. So let's worship this morning. Standing on this mountain top, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were.
Kneeling on this battleground Seeing just how far you've come Knowing every victory was your power in us Scars and struggles on the way But with joy our hearts can say Yes, our hearts can say Never once did we ever walk alone Never once did you leave us on our own You are faithful, God, you are faithful Kneeling on this battleground Seeing just how far you've Knowing every victory was your power in us. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes, our hearts can say. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, never once did we ever walk alone. Carried by your constant grace, held within your perfect peace. Never once, no, we never walk alone. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. And every step we are breathing in your grace. Evermore we'll be breathing out your praise. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. Oh, you are faithful, God, you are faithful. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. We're going to celebrate communion together. 
this morning, and I feel it is incredibly timely to be talking about the body of Christ this morning and to finish our service with an opportunity to reflect and join together in honoring his body that was broken for us. On the way in, you should have received a little cup with a wafer on top. I'm sure you're all masters at opening these by now, but if you need, just push down on the tab or push up, and a little plastic film will come off and you can access the wafer. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 to 24, says, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's join together and eat the bread this morning. verse 25 to 26. In the same way, he took, a, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an arrangement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink this morning. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. God, so that we can now be the hands and feet. God, so that we can be the body. That we can share your love. God, that we can welcome those in and to, to experience your love and your grace and the same spirit that is within us. God, we worship you this morning for how good you are. God, you have all brought us here placed us where we are for a reason. May we glorify you within that, Lord Jesus. And God, we lift up the needs within our church family right now. God, we continue to pray for Cindy and her sister Teresa, Lord Jesus, at the loss of her husband, Cindy's brother-in-law. Lord God, may your Holy Spirit surround them and comfort them during this time of mourning and grieving, Lord Jesus. God, we pray for Edith right now. Lord, we ask that, that your spirit give, just lessens the pain in her body that she's experiencing day by day. Lord Jesus, may she feel comfortable. May she not experience discomfort or pain the way she has been. And Lord Jesus, I just pray this morning that, that your spirit is with her and that she can, 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 can feel your healing touch on her body, Lord Jesus. God, we continue to pray for Milt Pharaoh as well, Jesus. God, we ask that your spirit is with him, with Mary, with the family. And Lord God, we pray for Phil Kehoe, who has an upcoming knee surgery. God, I pray you guide the nurses and the doctors and all the hands that are, will be operating for this surgery. And Lord, be with Phil as well. May he have peace about this whole situation. May recovery go well. May he be able to walk and, and, and be able to, to, to get back to normal day-by-day -day routine as quickly as he can. And in all things, Father... We worship you. We honor you and we give you glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. We'll see you next week. If you need anything, please reach out.